Hello, and welcome back to Security Insights, the podcast that takes a deeper look at today's most important issues in cybersecurity and beyond. I'm Stephen Pritchard, editor and presenter. Over the last year and a half, the world has been focused, perhaps more than ever before, on the healthcare and pharmaceutical sectors. Health systems have tried to control the pandemic, and pharmaceutical researchers have rushed to develop treatments and vaccines. Unfortunately, criminal hackers have also turned their attention to the sector. From attacks against the European Medicines Agency and the Irish Health Executive, to disruption of hospitals through ransomware and concerns about the vulnerability of the vaccine supply chain, are we seeing a new wave of attacks against health? And what can be done to defend it? Andrew Hollister is Deputy CISO and VP for Labs at Logarithm, and he's been following these developments closely. So we put the question to him. Undoubtedly, we've seen a a significant increase in attacks on the health sector over the course of the pandemic, particularly. Um, And the the reports, I've seen a number of reports um, on the industry. Um, There was an IBM X-Force report earlier this year that reported a doubling of attacks on healthcare in 2020. And, and, you know, there's a number of other reports that look at um, the the tail end of 2020 compared to the early part of 2021 and and are reporting a a similar sort of increase. And I think there's, there's probably two interesting things here. One is there's certainly a rise in the number of attacks it's interesting this kind of qualifying what's a targeted attack. Um, there, there's clearly a number of threat actors, types of threat actors going after different aspects of this sector. Um, and, and that's no doubt increased. But there's also the, the element of um, the, the kind of, if you like, spray and pray those kind of attacks happening to pick up healthcare sectors. And, and you know, we, I think with things like um, ransomware and the way that that's developed more as a service type of model, you've probably got one type of attacker that's, that's just looking for vulnerable systems that could be uh, potential victims and, and then handing them off somewhere else and, and perhaps not so terrifically interested in the fact, okay, this is health se- sector, this is industrial, this is financial. It, it's just a victim at that point. So um, the, the, the targeting aspect of this is, is an interesting question, but, but certainly overall, there's definitely a, a big increase going on here. And WannaCry would then be a prime example of that, wouldn't it? That's right. And, and I think, you know, often people talk about WannaCry, you know, they targeted the NHS. I, I don't believe that's what the evidence says. I, I think the NHS happened to be vulnerable and was, um, as a result, hit in a, in a, in a very big way. Um, I, I'm not at all certain that somebody sat down and thought this is this is how we're going to go after the NHS. I, I, I don't think that was the, uh, the starting point of WannaCry. So the attacks that are targeting healthcare, and we could extend that into fields such as R&D and pharmaceuticals as well, what type of form are they taking? Well, we're seeing um, probably two or three different types of actors uh, against this sector. And and obviously, you've got the kind of criminal side of it, and and then state actors, and and perhaps, you know, a a bucket of of any others, including hacktivists and so on. 
from from a kind of criminal perspective of course it's really all about monetizing the pandemic in in any way they can um and and a lot of the form that that is taking is is ransomware obviously we've we've just seen the very recent um compromise in in the irish health service um similar looking compromise in um new zealand and and, and many other places besides um, and, and that continues to be very prevalent. Beyond that, phishing obviously continues to be very high on the list. And, and I think one of the interesting things there is phishing obviously has developed into, into many different types of variants. And, and ultimately, phishing doesn't tend to be an end in itself. There, there's something else that's going beyond that. And, and phishing as, a, as an entry point for ransomware is very common, but also for various types of, of business email compromise, whether that's trying to get somebody to um, in, install something, to, to, to click through in a spear phishing type of approach, or indeed, you know, you've got procurement uh, departments in, in major hospitals dealing perhaps with hundreds or even thousands of suppliers. Um, if, if I can get, if I can kind of masquerade as a, a personal protective equipment supplier and, and try and get a um, purchasing department to send money to a non-existent company, we're, we're seeing those kinds of, of compromises being attempted as well, uh, you know, a, alongside a, a litany of others. The challenge for the, the industry, kind of specifically thinking about healthcare, is there's just so many angles that an attacker can go after. If you, if you think about the kind of the overall kind of patient journey through the healthcare system, there's so many different elements that, that need to be in place there. There's, there's so much to think about. Um, but if, you know, if we move on from the kind of the criminal element and simply trying to monetize the pandemic, you've got state actors. They tend to be mainly after research. And, and as, as you've kind of alluded to here, we then start to think about the kind of university sector and, and particularly pharma and, and, and that kind of space where they're holding significant quantities of personal information. They're, they're perhaps doing drugs research and, and, and so on, holding that information about trials. They're holding the information about the intellectual property itself, about that drug research and, and vaccination creation that's, that's particularly top of mind at the moment. And, and that tends to be state actors that are going after that for, um, obviously, advantage in, in terms of development and, and so on. So there's, there's quite a lot of different forms this is taking. And, and again, I, I think in terms of um, securing this sector, there's, there's so many different angles um, to look at here that that is actually part of the, the overall challenge in it. It is very diverse. You have everything from a GP surgery with a couple of doctors and a couple of support staff right through to an enormous teaching hospital or a, a huge pharmaceutical company. And we also saw um, earlier on, didn't we, we also saw the the breach at the European Medicines Agency over in the Netherlands where uh, attackers were trying to get hold of clinical trials data. We don't really know for what purpose, but again, that just suggests, as you allude to there, that this information is incredibly valuable to somebody. That's right. And um, the, 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 those um, organisations, what, what you can do with those details, I, I think the interesting thing is in terms of what's uh, stolen from um, hospitals and, and other medical facilities, 
um, the Verizon data breach report indicated that um, they're actually often just stealing um, personal uh, uh, PII um, data rather than medical data per se. And, and that's probably to do with the, the kind of level of protection of, of, of the medical data versus general um, information about people. And when you think about the health information, though, whether it's clinical trials or whether it's data that your GP or your hospital holds about you, that, that health information has an enormous value in and of itself. And, you know, you can't really change those details. You know, if you, if you, you, you can change your address, you can change your bank, you can get a new credit card, you can change your phone number. If, if you have a certain condition or, you know, you have to take certain types of medication, perhaps you've got some kind of, uh, um, you know, a, 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 some device that you're dependent on and so on, that's information you can't change. And, and that makes that information very, very valuable indeed. Given, though, what we're dealing with globally with the pandemic, um, you would think that nation states in particular would be wary of attacking medical facilities and medical research, but it seems not to have deterred them. If anything, it seems to be encouraging them. Is, is that how you're seeing it as well? There's actually an uptick in these attacks because of the pandemic and perhaps because health is more on people's minds at the moment. I don't know whether that's leading to potentially people being more lax about security. Yeah, and and I think, you know, when you think about the pandemic um, in general, a lot of noise about something um, is, is very good for threat actors. It, it kind of provides more um, space to hide their activities in. And, and the pandemic's really a, a classic example of that. And you, you would expect that uh, given the pressure that the hospitals are, are under not least um, and given the pressures that uh, pharma are under to and research organizations to try and come up with vaccines and so on you would have thought um, states would would step back from from sponsoring this kind of activity but it, it that as you say it doesn't seem to have been the case and the um, certainly on, on the criminal side, um, we, we saw one or two of these ransomware gangs early in the pandemic saying, you know, we're not going to target healthcare, um, but that seemed to be pretty short lived. Um, and, you know, they've, they've continued to go after that sector or, or at least uh, not avoid it in, in the midst of all this um, disruption. And, you know, you, you've, you've got hospitals trying to deal directly with um, the effects of the pandemic, the, the kind of overwhelming in terms of their activity and, and everything that's going on there. But um, again, we, we see um, these different actors seeming to, to use all that as, a, as an opportunity to perhaps on, on one side sow more fear, uncertainty and doubt, and, and on the other side hide in this enormous amount of, of activity, which, you know, the um, health service in common with the, the rest of, of industry has had to switch to different ways of working in the face of the pandemic. And, and they, they've also got all those kind of pressures going on, perhaps having to make compromises to security here and there to keep the, the, the quotes, business up and running. Um, and and what, what we haven't seen, uh, you, you would have hoped um, if, if these threat actors had any kind of moral compass at all, uh, we would have seen a drop off in 
um, in, in attacks and varieties of attacks, but, but actually completely the opposite has happened. And from the data that you can see, is the balance more in favour of these attacks originating from cybercrime or is it more likely to be nation states and others? Again, it, it kind of comes back to, to, to what it is. It, it does seem a, a big uptick in um, cybercrime and, and really seeking to monetize the pandemic in, in all sorts of ways. And, you know, if, if, if I'm uh, under pressure, um, you know, I'm, I'm busy with patients, I'm, I'm busy with purchase orders, I'm, I'm busy with the tr trying to stay on top of, of the thing that's kind of right in my face here, um, that then just almost by default, um, I'm not as attentive to, for example, a, a phishing email as, as perhaps I was before I, I was under that amount of pressure. And, and you know, I think the, the crim criminal elements certainly have, have, have used the opportunity to, to leverage that. Um, the, the state actors, it's more difficult to say, um, you know, attribution is, is, a, is a very, very difficult um, space to be in. We've seen that around, um, you know, with the, with the SolarWinds attack late last year, there, there's still discussions going on who was really behind that. Um, the actual attribution of those kind of actions is, is very much more difficult. And, and of course, it's in the interests of the state to keep that as, as low level and, and as hidden as possible. But, but, but as we know, certainly the data I've seen, um, state actors are um, active and, and continue to be so. But, but again, this, that tends to lean more towards let's try and get hold of, of research information to, to give a boost to our own programs. Um, and, and as you say, pre presumably the kind of clinical trial information that uh, was, was stolen at the EMA, um, you know, presumably that was the purpose that was sitting behind a, an attempt like that. There's so much uh, noise uh, uh, at this moment in time, and, and there's so much change as well uh, that, that kind of goes along with that noise, the, the kind of, you know, 24 by 7 news coverage, the kind of Twitter and Facebook and, and all the other social media outlets, are, you know, almost wall to wall with COVID for a year. And, and that's one side of it. But, but obviously, as businesses themselves and, and healthcare as, as a business um, vertical has, has tried to navigate this time, the, the, the way that they've had to deal with things has, has changed over that time. And, and, and that's also given... Um, space and, and, and areas where threat actors have, have really paid attention. You know, we've seen, for example, a number of compromises around VPNs, remote access software, that kind of thing. As, as you say, if I, if I can do that quietly under the umbrella of, of all this um, disruption that's going on due to the pandemic, you know, I've suddenly, as a business, moved my employees home, then they're, they're, they're now doing um, the, their administration job, for example, from home, they've got to hit back into the VPN, that's new traffic that wasn't there before the pandemic. And, and if I, as a threat actor, can blend in with that and gain my access, gain a foothold and persist with that foothold for a long period of time, that, that's kind of the, the ideal space. And, you know, again, going back to the SolarWinds example, which clearly was nation state sponsored, um, uh, they're, they're now talking about they probably had a foothold as long ago, I think, as January 2019. 
um, that that's that's a that's a very um, that's a very long time to persist in a network. Um, it's a very long time to remain hidden. Um, but you know, within a large organization. Uh, that, that's not so terrifically difficult to do, given the amount of change that we've seen specifically over the last year. And if you were in organisations that far back in time and you press the button now to activate the malware, then, yeah, you're going to be hitting targets that you may have actually avowed to not hit, uh, such as hospitals, just because you've already penetrated those networks. But are the specific risks that affect the health sector? Are the specific weaknesses in their security that attackers might be exploiting here, uh, or indeed are contributing to this collateral damage effect of ransomware, as we saw uh, with WannaCry and to an extent we've seen with SolarWinds too? It's this breadth of the attack surface that's, that's really the biggest issue. And, and, you know, if you think about this space, you, you've got we perhaps immediately think about patient data and, and access or, or exfiltration of that. But you've then got things like, you know, just simply planning and scheduling um, how we're going to get patients in and out of here. How do we hand off from what from the, the local GP to to the, the bigger hospital? How do we hand off between different departments in the hospital? You've then got things like, you know, physical access to environments. You've got the back office technology um, just to run an organization. You've got um, devices, uh, all sorts of types of devices, some of which are, are connected to breathing human beings on, on the other end and, and, and network connected. And, and of course, added to all that, um, you know, certainly if we think about the NHS, um, the, the planned spending for, for 2020, 2021 is, is over 200 billion. Um, you know, all, all of that makes a, a very broad and an interesting attack surface. And, you know, per, perhaps to take a, a few individual things, um, you think about these devices that are, that are used within hospitals, many of them, um, you know, they're, they're, they're certified to certain standards. You can't put antivirus on them. You can't put any other kind of monitoring uh, directly on the endpoint. Um, and, and some of those, you know, large devices with a, with a long lifespan, perhaps they're running operating systems that are maybe the operating system's already out of date by the time they come to market. You're talking about a, a very long development cycle for some of these devices. So there, there, there really is a, a very wide number of challenges. And I, and I do think it's this breadth, this breadth that's one of the biggest issues. You've got um, something over a million employees in the, um, uh, in, in the NHS. That's a lot of individuals to go after in terms of, um, if we think about phishing that we, we touched on earlier, that's a lot of people to go after in, in terms of just trying to find somebody who will click on a, um, on a phishing link. And, you know, the kind of latest data is still talking about two and a half to three percent of um, phishing emails are, are clicked through on. Um, in an organization with a million people, that's, that's a lot of um, click-throughs and, 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 a, and a lot of potential for, for compromise. And how then should the sector go about improving security? And there's always going to be this difficult discussion at board level, uh, for healthcare providers anyway, that if someone says, 
you know, it's R&D for this new treatment or a new CAT scanner versus some security software, you know, the CAT scanner is going to win every time in that discussion, unless boards can be convinced that actually they need that security in order to to drive, for example, modernization of the health sector through more digital working. So there's an upside to it in making that security investment. It's it's a really, really difficult trade-off. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm glad I'm not the one making the decision between a CAT scanner and, uh, and, and upgrading my security. It's, 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 it's a very, very difficult decision. Um, I, I think in terms of what the sector can do, that. The, the thing that, that always springs to mind with this kind of thing, that there aren't any silver bullets. Um, you know, there, there, there isn't a, a kind of um, a, a product or an approach or, or, or anything that, that can kind of, in a way, close this and, and make it a, a finished conversation. And, you know, I, I think to give a, a bit of credit where credit's due, kind of post WannaCry, um, NHS Digital, um, have, have really done a good job. They've got the Cyber Security Operations Centre. Um, you've got the, the Data Security and Protection Toolkit with, with the Cyber Essentials. You've got NHS Secure Boundary and so on. You know, I've, I think there's some, some really good uh, efforts that have been made here. And it always starts off, do the basics. And, and if we think about something like cyber um security essentials that that that's really where that is is sitting if you'll excuse the cliche it it is a journey we're we're, we're not going to get from um uh from where we are to kind of quote better security in in a step there's there's no security destination as such it's it's a security journey once you've kind of done the basics the really question after that is how do I understand what's really going on internally? And, and as I mentioned, you can't install protective controls on, on many medical type devices, but, but you can monitor their communications. And for example, baseline, you know, what, what is this device that, that I, I can only watch how it communicates? I can only sit and watch. I can't do any active protection on it. What does it normally do? Okay, it, it normally communicates over here, it, it normally communicates over there. Um, okay, today it suddenly reached out to the, the open internet. It's never done that before. And, and, and having that kind of internal database threat intelligence about how your network, how your devices operates, that I think that's really a key to um, taking security to the next level. And if you don't see it, you can't really protect it. If you don't see it, you can't really control it. You know, the technology is never going to catch everything. Um, it's getting better and better, but some things are going to come through. And, and in, in that case, having the, the staff on board, they understand what the purpose of it is. It's not just security for security's sake. Um, and, and as you've kind of alluded to here, let, let, let's get security in this kind of position of actually this facilitates us uh, because we're more secure. This facilitates us to operate in these ways that have better patient outcomes, that have better staff outcomes, that have better financial outcomes. What about then, though, helping the individual users, patients, service users to protect themselves? Because clearly that, that personal information, that medical information is valuable. Uh, and perhaps that's one area where health providers could do a little bit more uh, to to educate the, the end user, the individual. 
that uh, they need to be cautious about their medical data as well. Yeah, and I, I think the, um, the the industry is making some good steps in that direction. I, I think we talked um, before, Stephen, about the NHS COVID scam and, and uh, threat actors uh, sending text messages or, or emails and, and so on to um, people who, who are waiting for a COVID vaccine and, 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 and kind of preying on their fears in that way to, to get an early vaccine. And the, the NHS collaborated together with the, the National Cybersecurity Centre, with Action Fraud and some others, and, and they actually pushed out advice on their public website. If we can get that message out to the service users, we don't communicate with you like this. We don't ask you for money um, and, and so on. That, that's a really good step forward in, in being able to, to educate. And, you know, we've, we've seen a few different industries using different things. I, I sometimes get uh, emails saying, you know, we include this piece of information to, to, in every email that we send to you in, in an effort to try and get me used to. When I get an email from this organisation, I expect to see this piece of information and you know I, I think there's some things around that kind of space that, that could be done and I, I, I like as well what the NCSC have been doing around um, uh, phishing you know they, they've put that um, uh, report at phishing.gov.uk address up so, so anybody can send a suspected phishing email to them for, for evaluation and, and that seems to have had a lot of success. But again, I, I think it is around this uh, education and, and, and trying to do it in a way that's um, memorable and, and that really helps people as, as, a, as opposed to kind of making them part of the problem. And that's an area where certainly everyone needs to be constantly vigilant. Uh, but just finally, what about government level action to deter attacks against health systems? Is that something that there should be more international effort on? Is that something that potentially where uh, organisations or governments could raise the cost for attackers of trying to go up against uh, critical infrastructure shut, um, and particularly uh, critical health care. And I've got to say, I'm, I'm quite encouraged by some of the um, some of what I've seen recently with with joint um, uh, alerts being pushed out by uh, NCSC and um, their, their opposite numbers in the US and elsewhere. And, and I think both on, on a national basis and on an international basis, uh, closer cooperation kind of within government and, and cross government is, is, is really something that we should be focused in on. Um, and, and as I say, I, I think, think the NCSC have done a, a good job in, in this country and, and that's certainly their stated goal to make the UK the safest place in the world to do business online and, and, and that clearly covers across healthcare in, in addition to uh, every other vertical. But again, those about deterring nation states potentially from going after these targets, can something be done there? Yeah, I, I think um, in, in terms of um, deterring nation states, certainly um, we've, we've seen um, over the course of the last um, uh, few months and, and predominantly as a result of the, um, uh, the again, the solar winds attack that the, the government, certainly in the US, um, have, have released new um, guidance around this and, and, and also taken up the, the, the issue of it very seriously. And 
Um, you know, I, I think yes, deterrence is is something that that we're all we're all interested in. But in the environment that we're in, it, it, and and the the difficulty with attribution makes the enforcement of that deterrence uh, quite an interesting challenge. So I, I, th- I think governments are certainly uh, looking at this and, and and at what what is effective. Um, but in a way beyond um, the, the kind of education and, and, and helping organisations, whether it's by way of um, information or, or whether it's by way of, as, as the Biden administration has done now, putting out new um, uh, directives, um, that, that's, that's really where I think we're going to see um, the results of that. Andrew Hollister on how the attribution of attacks against health providers remains difficult and how that, in turn, limits enforcement. Healthcare providers will need to remain vigilant. That, though, is all for this episode of Security Insights. In our next programme, we'll speak to three experts about ransomware. Is it really the most pressing threat in cyberspace today? That will be live on Wednesday, July the 7th, and I hope you can join us then. In the meantime, you can catch up on past programmes on our website, securityinsights.co.uk and, of course, on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Amazon and Spotify. Thanks again for listening.